What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Chrisomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Well, here we go. Welcome to another download of the Chris Van Vliet Show. I'm Chris Van Vliet. That's why the show's named the Chris Van Vliet Show. Uh, thank you for the lovely introduction there from Justin Roberts. And, man, what a conversation we have with this one. Uh, I say it in the interview, but Jim Ross was the soundtrack to my formidable years growing up. I mean, when I really dove into wrestling and really became obsessed with it during the Attitude Era. And it's amazing now hearing his voice 20-something years later for me on AEW. Um, this was such a privilege and an honor to sit at the learning tree that is Jim Ross and hear his very open and honest takes about everything and hear these great stories. So a big thanks to him for that. And also thanks to his podcast co-host, Conrad Thompson, who coordinated this interview and made it happen. Uh, so thank you, Conrad. And if you haven't heard their podcast yet, actually, if you haven't heard their podcast yet, I'm very surprised because it's, it's very, very good. Grilling JR is a must listen. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a five-star podcast. Uh, and apparently, according to you guys, so is mine. Uh, so thank you for the uh, awesome five-star reviews that you guys have been leaving on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I've said it, uh, well, the last couple weeks, I guess, although the show's only three weeks old. So I guess I've been saying it the last week and a half um, that I will read a five-star review on every single episode. Uh, so, you know, as a, my way of saying thank you and also a way of saying, hey, keep those five-star reviews rolling in because it really helps us a lot on Apple Podcasts. ECQ92 writes, my inspiration. Wow, what a title. Thank you. Chris, I don't remember how I stumbled across your YouTube channel, but I'm so glad that I did. You are truly an inspiration to me. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in mass media communications. By the way, so did I. And I aspire to be an entertainment journalist and reporter such as yourself. I'm also a huge wrestling fan such as yourself. Your style of interview is such a breath of fresh air with regards to what we're used to seeing, and I really love it. I enjoy your work, your content, your talent, your drive and ambition. Thank you for being someone that I can proudly look up to. Wow, that's that's a humbling uh, review to read. So thank you for leaving the great review. Uh, I'm super glad that doing what I do and the conversations that I have with these wrestlers can inspire you in some sort of small way. And I will say this to you, uh, keep after it. There's no reason that you can't achieve whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Um, so keep those five-star reviews coming, and I will keep reading them on the show. Uh, we will get to the chat with JR in just a second, but i got to let you know the Chris Van Vliet Show is brought to you by Green Roads. And I say that because not all CBD products are created equal. I mean, we've heard a lot about CBD over the last year or so. A lot of companies popping up out of nowhere, pretending they have great CBD products. A lot of them don't even have CBD in them. But... Green Roads is a pharmacist-founded company dedicated to improving the lives of people who take it. 
I take it frequently. Uh, it's really helped a lot with their CBD oil, just a couple of drops under the tongue. Uh, but all their products are awesome. It's just the, you know, the CBD oil for me has been the best. And it tastes a lot, surprisingly better than you would think. And people say, well, what's it like? You know, uh, what's it feel like? Well, first of all, it doesn't really feel like anything. That'd be like saying, like, what's an aspirin feel like? Um, it just feels like your headache went away after like 20 or 30 minutes. Kind of here, like your brain's going like a thousand miles an hour. Some CBD oil brings it down, you know, slows it down. Not instantly, but over the course of, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you think back and you go, huh, I am feeling a lot more calm than I was feeling. Use my code CHRIS15 to get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. 15% off with CHRIS15 at greenroadsworld.com. The CVV show also brought to you by the microphone that I'm holding and speaking into right now from Samson Technologies. Uh, their podcast equipment has made the show sound as good as it does just however many episodes we're in right now. I think it's 17 episodes in. 17 episodes in less than three weeks. Yeah, we were just pumping these things out. Um, Go to samsontech.com to check out their full lineup. I can't emphasize enough how great this conversation with Jim Ross was. Uh, he is such a living legend. It's amazing. He talks about it here. He's 67 years old. He says he still has a lot more in the tank. I personally can't wait to hear what that is, especially as they head into weekly television this fall on TNT with AEW. Uh, but enough about me and enough about me talking about this interview. Let's just get to it. Please enjoy my Incredible, amazing conversation with the one, the only, JR, Jim Ross. Uh, it's such a pleasure to sit down with you. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Uh, before you got hired by AEW, were you looking for you know to get back into the wrestling business or do this full time? Oh, I was still in the wrestling business. With New Japan? WWE. Yeah, okay. My WWE contract ended at the end of March of this year. Uh, and then I knew I wasn't going to renew it because I was inactive. You know, players want to play. Sure. And so I wasn't being utilized. For example, in 2018, I worked twice. I went to Saudi Arabia for about eight hours. <laughs> and I went. then I went to New York City to do Raw 25. So I was, wasn't being utilized. And the, and the handwriting was on the wall that apparently uh, some of the powers would be there perceived I was too old or couldn't get my job done any longer. So I knew that uh, I didn't have a home there in that respect. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the kind of guy that's, okay, I'll sit home and take my money. That's just not my style. Uh, that's just the next step of, you know, that's the aging process or getting out of the game process. And that's just not me. So I, uh, I wasn't looking, but, you know, I met Tony Khan a couple of years ago. So we, we, we had a good relationship already established but i didn't have any idea at that time when we met in long beach he came out with the new japan shows uh he and alex marvez that i that we would that we would be working together so it just worked out fate was a good thing for me i say that tony khan saved my wrestling life and i believe that because <laughs> i got back in the game i'm doing what i love to do and so that's kind of the thing in a nutshell but there's a lot of side stories to all that stuff sure. but uh it's been a really a good blessing for me, quite frankly. Do you feel like your announcing style is different now that you're in AEW? Well, announcing style should always be predicated by the product you see on the monitor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce in the most realistic way that I can uh, to help to suspend disbelief as best I can, mm -hmm. uh, no matter who I'm working for or working with. Some, some products are just more conducive 
to a sports-oriented, uh, not sports entertainment-oriented uh, entity. So that's kind of, I don't think I'm going to change a lot. Uh, the orders from headquarters there with Tony Khan and his, and his group, or they want an athletic presentation. So, you know, there's two sides to that issue. I love that concept. Let's go an athletic presentation. But I got to have a canvas. You know, you got to have, that's what you're going to be seeing in the ring is athletic competition. Right. And uh, so it's a two-way street. But nonetheless, my style is not going to change a hell of a lot. It's probably, as a matter of fact, it might be a little bit retro in some areas. But the pace, the tenor, uh, the feel, that doesn't go away. That doesn't change. But a lot of what's going on in WWE is they're not even calling what's in the ring. They're yeah. not calling what's yeah. on the monitor. I think it's a real tune-out for the viewer that if you're seeing action, yeah. you're seeing movement, and your eyes are watching this movement and your brain is process, processing what you're seeing, then uh, it becomes a massive disconnect when the announcers are telling backstory while action is ongoing. Yeah, That would be nothing different than uh, Joe Buck – on Fox Sports, called talking about a backstory or what what round a guy got drafted in, or what his birthday is, or how many brothers and sisters he has, while the ball's in play. Yeah, it's so ludicrous to even say that because <laughs> that would never happen. Yeah. But why does it? How? Why have we allowed that to happen in in wrestling? Is beyond me. The the words have got to support the audio. Or the audio is going to support the video. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly. Yeah. And sometimes in TV wrestling, in a lot of companies, that doesn't happen. So. It's not a, I don't think it's a good thing. It's a bad trend, sure. I believe, quite frankly. Did you need to reach out to WWE when your contract was done and say, I just want to let you guys know I'm planning to go to AEW? I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know where I was going. Okay. I knew I wasn't going to return. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to have another year of inactivity. At my age, these are moments that are fleeting, uh, in my view, without sounding you know, too uh, melancholy. I just felt like that. I had to find other things to do. And I had, you know, podcasting is a big thing. I'm writing a second book. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a member now. Of the, I've signed a contract recently with the Simon & Schuster's uh, Speakers Bureau. Wow. So I, I had plenty of things on the table to do. Sure. But the wrestling part of getting back in a wrestling company was not really a high priority. I thought I'd, my wrestling ship had sailed, unfortunately, and I wasn't happy about it. But where else, what else am I going to go do, right? And then uh, Tony Khan and, and uh, AEW came along, and that's been a blessing because now I'm back in the hunt, as I said, and I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. And I get a chance to contribute. I get a chance to play it forward for some of these young kids uh, who, when I get to the arena, anytime we do TV, it's a, I feel like, uh, uh, I feel like uh, uh, Morgan Freeman in uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> teaching Andy how to get out of prison <laughs> but it's, these kids are they're dying for information sure and because I had some luck was recruiting some good talent good guys they they want to know what traits I saw sometimes or what what made you like the rock the first time you met him or whatever uh, so it's just a it's a fun thing it's like coaching I like I like I like coaching I, that's probably what I would have done if I had not gotten into broadcasting in the wrestling business with helping out this young talent you were you were the guy who came up with these amazing nicknames that really helped talent get over <laughs> yeah, the, lucky <laughs> the bionic redneck the game or the, you know what are some of your other favorites oh gosh I, the texas rattlesnake oh yeah i did austin's podcast this week yeah or the, well, i did austin's podcast it aired this week yeah it aired this week yeah. and uh 
we he 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 said, I want to, I got to thank you for yeah. Texas Rattlesnake. I said, you did sell a lot of shirts for that one. He said, yeah, <laughs> quite a few. So uh, you know, it's good. The you know the uh, the great one was the name that Rock thought about, and then I threw it out there, and it worked. Did he he got approval though? I think from Muhammad Ali or Muhammad Ali's that's, family, no, didn't he? The great uh, uh, the great one was Gretzky. Oh, that's right. And uh, so, uh, the, the Muhammad Ali was everybody's. No, no athlete that I've ever met was not in all Muhammad Ali. Sure. Quite frankly, so and I had my experience with him, so it was all great. I spent three days with him one time in New Orleans. Wow. We shared a suite, and he came down for a Mid South Wrestling event down in the Superdome. So uh, we got to be buddies, and to the extent you can be buddies with yeah. a guy like that. He's a legend. You know, he's just. A, you know, it's hard to believe you're talking to him sometimes. It's pretty cool. So but, I don't, I don't feel like in the era of WWE right now, you could just throw out a nickname without someone's approval. Oh, you couldn't. Yeah, a lot of my stuff is very organic. Yeah, and feel. You know, the Texas rattlesnake was. I even said then I said later on that rattlesnakes don't make good corporate pets, <laughs> and you know things like that. It just, it's a feel deal. You know, Steve asked me about that. You know, I didn't write anything down uh, to say because that's that's a like. The wrestlers today spending endless hours, seemingly, on going over a five-minute match, or an eight-minute match, or a ten-minute match, or whatever a match. Mm-hmm. It's that memorization of your act, not knowing that you're what you're committing to memory. By the way, may not work. If that doesn't work, you get the crowd flipped. Then what do you do? Well, you got to go to Plan B. Yeah. So then the question is, do you have a Plan B? Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what I, I think about uh, that deal. I, I just it's got to be a field thing for me. And, you know, like, I felt I got in my rhythm, my best rhythm with this company, I think, uh, in the middle of the uh, all-in in Vegas this year. Because oh, double or nothing. Yeah. Double or nothing. I'm sorry. Double yeah. or nothing. Yeah. And, and uh, because uh, we had the Cody match and Dustin match, yeah. which is off the charts. It might have been a little graphic to some people, could be, but nonetheless, it was an amazing performance. Yeah, told a great story. Yeah, and then you have the two two of the best tag teams in the entire world, and arguably the best tag team in the world, the Young Bucks, uh, and and the uh, the the uh, Lucha Brothers. They have great chemistry. It's almost seamless. It's a little bit like watching Flair and Steamboat. It's just there's no scenes. There's no. It's just a continual smooth flow. That's so real, and you, you get lost in the story. And then we closed the show with uh, Jericho and Omega, uh, which was amazing. And then you have John Moxley sauntering in. And I didn't even know John Moxley was even in the building. No, no I sort of God. So when he when he came out, it was like one of those real cool moments for a guy in my role that you can really get into something because you're not you have not preconditioned yourself. Uh, okay, now how am I going to act when John Moxley comes out? What am I going to say? Yeah. What am I going to do? All that time is is waste of time because you're going to do what, or at least I'm going to do what I, it feels right. Without sounding arrogant, it's a moment. I'm a fan. I'm still a fan. So as long as I'm still a fan, I, I can retrieve that emotion. Then uh, we're good to go. So well, that's why they hired you. Well, I hope. I hope <laughs> they for some reason, uh, you know, I mean, they had to fulfill their AARP commitments. <laughs> I'm not real sure. But nonetheless, <laughs> I'm sure as hell glad they did. Do do you not know the finishes to matches? Sometimes I I I, I hear them in passing in a conversation, but everybody there knows, including Cody, who normally I meet with every hour and a half, two hours, for every sh- before every show, and, and during the week. 
he knows I don't want to know him. Wow. Because I'd rather react organically. I'd rather react in a real way. And that might not be the way you want to do it with some broadcasters who have less experience. You may not trust their judgment. Pardon me. You, you may not trust their judgment yet. Mm-hmm. And I think in my situation, at least you can, I think you can, you can trust me. Well, I, I would think so with f- so. 45 years experience. Yeah, really, isn't that right? There was all these stories in WWE of Vince being in your ear or someone being in your ear, commentator's ears, telling you guys what to say. Mm-hmm. Who's in your ear in AEW? Nobody. At all? No. Uh, the uh, Keith Mitchell is in my ear to count me in and out of the segment. Sure, that's that's a, that's pretty common in TV. Normal stuff. Yeah. And after that, if, if there's, if he has a suggestion, it, uh, can you mention mention uh, uh, Chicago, mention Memorial or Labor Day weekend, mention something? He may do that, but it's, it's, that's how quick it is. Hmm. Mention Chicago, boom. But hardly nothing, and it allows it allows us. I told these other guys this. You know, you guys have not worked in a system as 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 have I where your uh, alpha male in your life is is telling you what to say. Mm. And and uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we all make mistakes in judgment, but I don't work well that way. I, I can't be creative and and, uh, and, and enlighten and, and intrigue and add all the things you want to add if you're yelling at me. Because mm. then there's, uh, now I, I got to process this information. How, do I process this most powerful man in my business life and maybe my personal life yelling and screaming at me on occasion, does it take you out of your game? <clears throat> of course, of course it does. Yeah. And you know, I know Taz didn't like it and Mick Foley didn't like it and they're no, they, they couldn't handle it. This wasn't for them. And I don't, I can understand that. I just grew up with a father that was much like Vince, very demanding, very alpha male-ish. Then I worked for cowboy Bill Watts who may be the most alpha male of the whole damn crew you know six three three hundred pounds and he he was a accomplished street fighter he liked to push he's a bully and then when i said when i got to vince went going through dusty who was really easy to work with and ole anderson who wasn't the time i got to vince i was battle tested man mm. you, you can't say much is going to piss me off I, I it'll piss me off a little bit but nonetheless it's not gonna affect my work we did a show one time where uh i can't remember where it was it was on raw Lawler and I were out there broadcasting, and Vince uh, says to me uh, to say something, and it was ridiculous, and I didn't say it. And during the time uh, he told me to say it, and I was holding out on him, he was screaming like crazy. And you're still trying to call the match. Oh, yeah. I'm on live television in my ear. You know, God damn it, I said this. Okay, all right. So bottom line is I didn't say it. And then the, we go to commercial break, and he comes on my headset, and in real hushed tones, like he's doing golf. You know, hey, JR, yeah. Did you hear me to tell you to say it? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, it's a goddamn good thing he didn't because it had been wrong. Wow. Well, I knew it had been wrong. We already talked about this. He forgot we already talked about this matter, and we weren't going to go there. Yeah. And But he'd forgotten because all the hubbub and the – the the, the uh, traffic around him, it's a, he, he's like he's like the honey and there and there and the, and the a lot of the guys that work there are the bees, mm-hmm. they swarm him because they want to be seen. Sure, they want to FaceTime with the chief. So I didn't say it, and that he and we laughed about it after the show. <laughs> I you know I tell him you're slipping and you know you forgot this and that. And 
So, but we had we, our relationship was much better than people perceive it to be. You know, I didn't like some of his taste and creative that affected me. Uh, to be honest with you, there's some of it that I thought was a waste of time, and I didn't care to be involved in skits and get beat up. It wasn't a beating, getting beat up part. I didn't like. Well, would you have liked it if you were winning? Well, no, I didn't. Wouldn't like it then either. What are we doing? I don't, I'm not good at it. That, like when you were in the Kiss My Ass Club, the look on your face told the whole story. <laughs> well, it got over. That's it was disgusting. It got over. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was a heel move. It was disgusting. Of course, the strategic thing for Vince was he picked Oklahoma City, where mm-hmm. my family was there in attendance, not having no any idea that tonight Dad's going to kiss Mr. McMahon's ass. Yeah, and his face is going to be driven into his uh. glutes. So. Uh, but I saw some of those opportunities I just didn't like. And a lot of that is ego-driven, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought that, you know, uh, I thought that uh, we were getting beyond that and who were we getting over. Mm-hmm. So if I, when I got the, I remember getting, well, I got beat up, I got nailed by The Undertaker. That's cool. Kurt Angle did something to me. Vince, I kissed his ass. Bischoff broke a cinder block over my head. Uh, I had to put Michael Cole over. Uh, I can't remember. I know Jack Swagger got me the ankle lock, got a little, right. got a little carried away. <laughs> it's well, like they would pick on you for easy heat. Well, I was over. Yeah, well, of course. That's, that's They're the whole, always that's over. The, that's the deal. Without sounding egocentric, the character JR was over to the, that, to the audience. So a villain, a heel doing something uh, nefarious to JR was not going to be well accepted, yeah. which is the exact emotion you want to solicit from a villain yeah but uh, i just got my deal was you know and i tell creative this that you know you guys worry spend so much time uh trying to figure out what vince is going to like so you can write something he likes and you know he likes bathroom humor and he likes jr being made a fool of or utilizing these storylines if you didn't have if you had your head out of your ass which they told me i have my head in my ass in the dr honey skit you would have talent that were over you know, you you would have uh, you would have talents that that were over on their own that didn't need me to be their rub. Yeah, and it's 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 a fragile dynamic when your TV announcer is one of the key components to give baby or heels a rub. Yeah, and that's what it was. So uh, it was. It, it, I didn't I didn't feel like we were helping the other talents. All those guys and gals sitting in the back, they weren't doing a damn thing. They're going to go on the road and try to sell tickets. And, make more money, provide for their families, all the good stuff that we talk about. They're sitting there, and my fat ass is in the ring. It made no sense to me. Yeah. I didn't need the ego rush. I didn't need the love. I didn't need the rub. I didn't need any of that. Yeah. I could, I would, let me sit there and describe it and be, be your soundtrack. And uh, so that was my disconnect there. So are you saying that you don't want to be part of storylines in AEW? No, I don't. I have no idea. No, I'm going to do, do some interviews. Sure. Uh, some sit downs, which I love doing, and it'll help get the talent over. I yeah, think. like I the like, Sean Spears interview. Right. Yeah. Right. And there'll be more coming down the road, but I don't have any desire at this stage. I don't. There's no reason for it. What do you go with it? Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? What do you? Yeah. Every angle on television has got to lead to something. Yeah. My angle with me involved isn't leading to anything. Yeah. We're not going to have a match. Yeah. I'm not doing it, and it's not. I'm 67 years old. I kind of done this stuff. Sure. So let somebody else do it. So with all that said, you said you still have a whole bunch more wrestling left in you. How long do you think you can do this for? Oh, till I can do this for uh, 
I, I follow the principles of the the great broadcasters that, you know, my, Keith Jackson became a friend of mine, and you know he worked until he's he called his shots. He got out when he wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me this question the other day. I said, "What are you going to do when your three-year contract's up? You'll be 70. I said, "Well, I, if I'm smart, I'm going to try to get a renewal. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep working." Uh, in, in our, in my role, as long as I can continue to recognize situations and scenarios through my experience, uh, my, I know the game. It's like being the skinniest kid at fat camp. I know the game of pro wrestling. Yeah. And so I hope I can contribute for years to come, because I'm not buying into well, you got to retire. You know, you, you know, the it used to be the old day, the days where you, you get your social security at 62. Or they could get Medicare at 65, yeah. and all of them's terrible. <laughs> really, it's there's no there's no really no great reward to get to draw your Social Security in our country these days. Yeah. The, the government's done a real good job of screwing up the common guys living and and uh, and, and existence. Uh, maybe the only good thing about that is that people like you are becoming entrepreneurs and going out on their own and doing their stuff. Yeah, and that's kind of where we are right now in this it country. Is. So yeah. I, I like that quite frankly, Chris. But golly, it's 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 challenging. So my goal is to be do a good enough job in the next three years, and, this, and let, see this company grow yeah. from a franchise or a uh, I guess you would say a uh, expansion team yeah. to a Super Bowl contender. And uh, and this uh, and it, but the issue that a lot of folks are saying: Are you going to put you know? I even saw headlines: Is AEW going to put WWE out of business? I'm thinking: Are you crazy? Yeah, that's ludicrous. That doesn't even, that's not even remotely feasible. Uh, that's like saying the XFL is going to supplant the NFL as America's football league. They are not, but they don't have to to make a profit. Sure. The, the AEW brand doesn't have to have, do anything with WWE, uh, affected, be affected by it one way or the other. All we've got to worry about is ourselves. Yeah. We've got to get better. We've got to get better at everything we do. And, and that has nothing to do with paying attention to what the other guys across the street are doing with the big yard and the big dog. Well, I think people don't realize that you can be fans of both. Mm-hmm. We could watch Raw, and then we can watch AEW, and we can watch SmackDown and enjoy it all. I agree. Yeah. And right. I think people seem to think like you're either with us or you're against yeah, us. Yeah, no, it's silly. Wrestling fans should band together and promote wrestling. Because we've all, for years, we've all had this uphill pull of being a wrestling fan. Oh, you watch that stuff? Yeah. When I was a little kid, I got teased about it all the time. Of course. Now, luckily, I was a decent athlete, and I was I was I had, you know, I was a bigger kid than a lot of my buddies, at small Oklahoma high school. Uh, so a lot of them give me a pass because I was on the football team, the basketball team, you know, president student body, blah blah blah. So they accepted me because I wasn't a nerd, but because they looked at wrestling as being a a, a, a product for. People with too much time on their hands, quite frankly. Yeah. And so I, I got, I got a pass on that. But I've had, anybody that's watching wrestling, have ever watched wrestling, and their family, sometimes our families are the ones that are the worst because, my dad would say, "Why well, do you watch that stuff?" Oh, my parents said the same thing. Everybody, I think everybody's parents said the same <laughs> thing. But what's so the deal is, but what's it going to, what's it hurting? I also watch John Wayne movies, knowing he's not a real cowboy. I really do. But I get lost in the character of, the, of his pr- presentation. Yeah, wrestling's not uh, doesn't drive you to drinking, it doesn't drive you to drugs, it doesn't make you be a uh, you know a, a abuser. Yeah. Or nothing. Yeah, it's a it's a 
fictional entity unlike any other television episodic fictional show. It's just that these guys are real athletes. Yeah. They do their own stunts, uh, and they, they have no off-season. Yeah. There's a lot of amazing things that these gentlemen and ladies do that uh, makes me proud to still be affiliated with it. So it's a, it's, a, it's a labor of love for me, Chris, quite frankly. I think people will think your most famous call is Mick Foley going off the cell, but what's your favorite call? Mm. Well, it would be hard to say. That's like saying kind of saying who's your what's your, your daughters or your favorite the older one or the younger one and, <laughs> do you uh, have a maybe a, a few oh that, yeah you okay. know sure there's matches there's matches that uh i called a uh I'm trying to think there was a match back at wcw uh dr death and terry gordy against the steiners i thought was amazing and i love that match hard-hitting logical uh, mono and mono, uh, the guys knew that, that they were in for an interesting night, and they look they look forward to that because most tag teams that dealt with Doc and Gordy and the Steiners always had the reservations that they're going to work very firm, very stiff, they're going to be very physical, and this is not going to be an easy night at the at the office. And so that's that's kind of what. Uh, uh, we see saw, saw with that deal. Yeah. I loved that one. I loved uh, uh, WrestleMania 13, Austin and, and uh, Brett. Yeah, I thought it was that outstanding. Still do. Uh, I loved that one. I loved there was a Sean when Sean came back from his hiatus. You know, we finally convinced him to come back, and I wanted him to come back in the locker room and be a role model, even if he didn't want to wrestle, because we were paying him a lot of money. At that time, I think it was seven fifty a year, and he was and he was healing his from his back injury and his ruffle feathers and all kinds of things. Uh, so that was Sean, and when Sean came back, it was amazing to me that he didn't miss a beat. Yeah, he had a bad haircut. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that, that Dutch too. boy looking haircut or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> but he showed his greatness. Yeah, he didn't miss a beat, and he and he and Hunter had a, an amazing match. I thought that was one of my favorite matches to call. Uh, you know the Foley Undertaker match was another one that I didn't know the finish. I had no idea he was going to be thrown off the cell. What if he landed on you? I don't know. But what if he <laughs> yeah. died? That's another thing. And so yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't good. It was it was a the the WWE and we all dodged a bullet that night. If somebody had asked me before the show if this is your call, would you do? Have, would you approve this deal for Mick? And I would say no. Yeah. Because I didn't see any margin for error. Yeah. Uh, there's no precedent for this move, and you know you got a, a a table, and then the con the floor, the concrete floor is what breaks your fall. Yeah, it's a pretty sudden stop. Yeah, so that was another one that was a good uh, that was memorable. Obviously, we had to change Lawler not change on the fly with our psychology when Rock and uh, Hogan fought oh, at WrestleMania 18. That's my favorite match of all time. Yeah. I was there, and your call oh, on yeah. it. Oh, good. I, I loved it because it was so evident that the crowd had turned on Rock and were cheering Hogan. Yeah. You know, when they were exchanging blows, and it's boos for the Rock yeah. oh, and yeah. cheers yeah. for Hogan. Yeah, it, it takes you out of your game, too, because that's not the road you were traveling yeah. as, a, as a broadcaster. And uh, so we, we, we called an audible and went right on about our business seamlessly. Yeah, and uh, and it was a really an ex amazing experience. So I also thought that the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match at the first Hell in a Cell they had was really terrific and memorable. 
it's funny how a lot of these gimmick matches they call them are being utilized but they're no they're the wrinkles added to them are limited yeah so so you go so what i'm saying basically is you go back and look go all the way back to the first hell in a cell it's hard to say that the any other hell in a cell was better than the first one mm-hmm. maybe it's because it was new i don't know but, but also it's because you had two hall of fame guys and they're doing their thing so i, I think that some of these we needed some freshening in freshening up uh quite frankly but i i i enjoyed all those matches yeah uh the attitude era was amazing too because we had a lot of real good talents that i a lot of them i'd recruited and you know we had that one class i love to talk about this class because it's like a hall of fame class that we signed in one class John Cena. We signed uh, Randy Orton. We signed this guy, big old country boy from South Dakota named Brock Lesnar. <laughs> we signed uh, Dave Batista. Yeah. He's now a major movie star. God bless him. He's a good dude. Yeah. And then and the best athlete of the group was Shelton Benjamin. Wow. Yeah. What a group. So that was our that was, and that was a, the deal. And they all got to work. They all were in the ring crew. Brock Lesnar became the foreman of the ring crew because he could drive a pickup truck better than anybody else. I don't think people can picture Brock Lesnar building a ring. No, he did. He did. He, wow. He, oh yeah. He, he, all they all did. And they swept, they cleaned up, they paid their dues and, and not that they're being, they weren't being hazed. These are chores that we had to do that we didn't have the budget to hire a janitor. Yeah. So you guys are going to do this. Yeah. And if you, uh, all, the collaborative effort, you're going to be out of here in no time. Yeah. And they were. Yeah. But it gave them some responsibility. Let them know that this is still, still a free ride. You're not on scholarship here. You know, uh, and Lesnar's making a, I paid Lesnar more money than any rookie that we ever signed. And uh, because if anybody could see, he was obviously can't miss. Sure. One of those guys. Unless he imploded, we weren't going to have any issues with him getting over. Oh, yeah. Unless he just was uns. If his social skills were not evolved to some degree where he could get along with people, and that was an issue. He didn't like traveling. Mm. So I used to talk about, you got to trade, there's a trade off here, pal. <laughs> we can get your ass on the farm, and you can farm all the rest of your life, but you're not going to make this kind of money. Yeah. If you want this kind of money, there's got to be some sacrifices made along the way, yeah. including uh, time invested. When I tweeted out that I was going to be interviewing you, I got a barrage of by gods. Yeah. How do you feel that that's like, Always going to be attached to your name. Uh, it's all right. Something. Yeah. It's something to, you know, it's either that or slobber knocker or, <laughs> you know, you got beat like a government mule or <laughs> restaurant quality ass whipping, <laughs> all that stuff, you know, just, that's just, that was my. Tougher than a $2 steak. $2, yeah, tougher than a $2 steak. <laughs> so, and I, hey, I, I'll say that I used to say that on TV toward the end of the, in my, end of my run when, the, when these little gifts are coming out. Yeah, the, yeah. And there's all kind. Of, I get all kind of little ugly steak pictures and gifts, and burnt and charred, and little thin ones and big old thick ones or whatever. So it's uh, people enjoy that. And you know the we, one of my best selling T-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com is uh, uh, they killed him. Yes. Oh, that Mick Foley shirt. Of I got a, a buddy of mine, uh, Orlando Brown, plays right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. I think right or left tackle. He's a starter. OU kid great kid and uh orlando wears that t-shirt under his pads during the games wow they killed him that's his mindset he wants he was a yeah. killer he's an offensive lineman yeah. you're not gonna get my quarterback no matter what happens so uh those are fun those, those are fun deals but the slobber knocker is probably the most of course that's probably the most uh 
whatever. It's what, I mean, where did you come up with that? It's an old, uh, it's an old uh, Southern football term that was applicable and when, when the games were covered by the newspaper. Print, it was a print game before radio got even big time. And these players didn't wear face masks on their helmets, so their faces were uh, unprotected. And they slobber was the liquid you spit, yeah, spit, spittle. <laughs> uh, and uh, so if you got hit in the face hard enough, there it would go. The spittle would fly. Wow! So slobber knocker, and that's where. So that it's just no term. This, you know, I heard this when I was in like junior high. You know, you guys ready for this week? It'll be a slobber knocker. I don't know what the hell is that. What does that mean? So I, I, I figured it out. Yeah. And uh, started to. Then when I got broadcasting, I started using it. And also, all those things just became my little handles. A little, it made me different. Yeah. And you know, to my different, uh, being different was a blessing and a curse. I always thought that my accent cut me, uh, cut me, from the herd. I sounded different. Uh, when I got the Bill's palsy, which people can see, I can't smile and I have no, I can't whistle because I can't pucker. Hmm. Uh, and that was a, a blessing because in some ways, because it made me, it, it even gave my diction a little bit more of a uniqueness. Hmm. Uh, but for television executives, it wasn't my friend. You know, the, the fact that, you know, I'm a round-faced guy, chubby guy with southern accent, can't smile, he doesn't belong on television. Says who? Says you. Says uh, somebody that is looking at a, you're not looking at uh, uh, a focus group, because there's no focus group in the country that's going to say that JR doesn't belong in the wrestling business. Of course. It's just not going to happen. That yeah. sounds egocentric for me to say, but that's it's just, just a damn our, fact. Our, our fans are that way. Yeah. They give a damn. They care. You know, we did a show uh, here in Jacksonville, uh, a little, and I got another one coming up in, in Philadelphia, Rochester. We got, we're going to book a lot of these little. Yeah, these, these are the live podcasts. Li- right? Yeah, Grill I love them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grill and Jr. And What's the one question people always want to ask you when you do that? Uh, well, like you did. What's my favorite match? Yeah. Or who's your favorite wrestler? They so, the, the sometimes they ask more profound questions. Uh, I enjoy getting into, like we just had a, a podcast uh, regarding Vengeance 04, this pay-per-view, Vengeance 2004, yeah. and that was a big, big show for Chris Benoit. And most people uh, in the last few years have been reluctant to even mention his name mm-hmm. because of how he lived the last 48 hours of his life. And uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, underscoring that as a, something beautiful. It's not. It's horrible. Worst thing I've ever encountered in my career, uh, you know, other than Owen Hart dying in front of my very eyes in front of me, uh, was uh, the Chris Benoit thing, because I just never saw that coming. Uh, I considered him a good friend, and I helped him with his neck injury, and we got into great surgery, paid him while he was off, took care of his needs, his family's needs. He got all his money, even though he couldn't work. Uh, It's the right thing to do for us, and we did the right thing. And so then... Uh, I don't know what happened. You know, I don't know if it was CTE. Uh, there's a million stories. Sure. Yeah, well, we'll never know. We're, we're not going to know. Oh. All we know is that my friend Nancy, his wife, is dead. The little boy Daniel's dead. And then Chris, of course, committed suicide. Yeah. And to have him, to even remotely think of a father uh, murdering his son, 
You know, it's bad enough to think of a, a, a husband murdering his wife. Mm -hmm. That's bad enough, yeah. obviously. But to take the life of your only your only son, your little son, with yeah. this, this lady, was just unfathomable. I couldn't I couldn't get it. I couldn't get my head around it. So we talked about that, and that was a good show. Yeah. But the questions that you're back to your question, uh, I have somebody will ask about every other show at least. Should Chris Benoit belong in the Hall of Fame? And I say no. Uh, because, and if he were here, he would say no. And here's why. The reason why is because Chris Benoit going to the Hall of Fame would be a major, major distraction. Yes. It, it, would, all, it would not be about the great matches he had in Japan or Mexico or in Calgary or in WWE or WCW or anywhere else. It would be about murder-suicide. Mm -hmm. So that becomes a focal point again. And I just don't didn't... I don't think that would, he would, and I know, if I, I believe Chris, if I could talk to him right now, he'd say, JR, you're right. Yeah. I don't want to call, he's that, he was that kind of guy. Yeah. We don't know what set him off that day, but that was a, that was two days in the life of 40, in the guy that's 40 something years old. Mm -hmm. It's just not his demeanor. Yeah. We don't know why he did it, but we talked about that. And, and, uh, so the Ben Wild question comes up every now and then in various forms. Uh, but there's just. There's just a, the, the audiences are so smart, they're so in tune that uh, their questions have become better and better yeah. as these shows go on because there's so much more information flow. There's there's content like you're you're creating. Uh, there's all these guys, the, the Meltzers and the Kellers and all these guys got their, their, their businesses where they cover wrestling and Mike Johnson at Pro Wrestling Insider does a great job, Jason Powell. There's, all these guys do really, really good stuff. So now the fans have more content to uh, sample. Yeah. So you know you can you can take a flight and you can be on if you got Wi-Fi you can get, you can catch up with all the wrestling business. Yep. On a decent flight, right? Yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. So and you can follow your Twitter, your social media stuff. Yeah. And that's another thing that's a big deal. You know, you, you I saw you were getting questions about this discussion. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious about it too. I, what, what are people going to ask? Whether What's, what are new, new questions I haven't, been, haven't had yet? So. Yeah. Well, in, in your backstage role as a senior advisor, are you still scouting talent for AEW? I, I, uh, I, yes. I make, I make recommendations. I see talents that I, I, I am, I've become inquisitive of. Okay. Uh, and I make suggestions to Cody and his team about talents. You know, there's talents I like that I would like to see work there. And not just because I perceive them being uh, good in-ring performers, but the fact that they're going to enter the locker room with no poison. Sure. You know, that's that, important. That's one of the reasons I worked so hard to hire Mick Foley is I knew that when Mick Foley got in, he'd be a positive uh, influence to our locker room. He'd be a good role model. You know, he's not a big, he's not a drug guy, he wasn't a drunk. Uh, you know, he abuses, the only thing he ever abused is his own body, you know, the bumps he took. <laughs> but, you know, you get a guy like that in, He's patient enough to take time with the younger guys who seen him on TV and think, you know, and they look up to him or they should, as they should. And so he was the kind of guy that could uh, come in there and, and, and contribute to that locker room morale. But that's to me, is a big component here. I don't care how many you can do, uh, how much high flying you can do. And, you know, you can do a 450 and you can do this and you can do that. But can he work? Can you perform? Can you make me want to watch you more? other than those indiscriminate moments of, on the high trapeze. 
a flying trapeze, whatever. Yeah. You know, so but this, so I think that there's guys that I'd like to see here because, A, they're great athletes and they can perform, but also because they'll fit very much uh, compatibly into our locker room community, which has a lot of diverse personalities in it, a lot of young guys. You know, I was talking to Joey Janella. He came to be on our show last uh, on Friday night here in Jacksonville. And uh, I didn't realize he'd been in the Indies for 14 years. Yeah. 14 years. It's a testament to him how dedicated he is and, and how much he loves wrestling. Do you think he's one of the breakout stars of AEW? He could be. Who do you think? Who's on your radar as being a breakout star? Uh, MJF, probably top of the list. Yes. People are familiar with the uh, interview I did with him. He's... It's quite the character. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> he loves it. He loves being a villain. Yeah. And he's sharp-witted, and, and uh, uh, he's a tough old guy, too. He's, I told, uh, I said this on the air a couple of weeks ago in Orlando, or not Orlando, in Daytona, that he reminded me of a young Paul Heyman. Mm. Uh, and I work with a young Paul Heyman. I gave young Paul Heyman his break to get him on national television as my broadcast partner. And the WCW booking committee thought I was crazy. But they were celebrating because I took him off their hands. They had no longer had to book him or manage him. Uh, he'll be my guy. And I don't regret that whatsoever. He was a great partner, and he's, and he's still doing good now with the, in, in his new role. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, so I have just one more question for you as we wrap things up. Uh, if someone comes to you and says, I want to do what you're doing, I want to have the career that Jim Ross had, what's the advice you have for an up-and-coming play-by-play commentator? Practice and get reps. Uh, uh, do get get a microphone in your hand or a headset on your head. Uh, volunteer. Don't look at your this these uh, broadcasting gigs as paydays because there's likely not going to be any paydays in them uh, to any degree. Maybe lunch. You know, I told some <laughs> I got I we we ran Fort Smith, Arkansas on every Wednesday night uh, at the Jimmy Lott Sports Arena on Towson Avenue. I did enough promos for that to remember that for the rest of my life. But I was refereeing down there. House is really bad. And uh, the other town on Wednesday night was Baton Rouge. So Baton Rouge got the big stars, and, and uh, Fort Smith got the leftovers. <laughs> and I got paid that night in hot dogs. No. I, I got two hot dogs. <laughs> two of them. I, I, yeah, I refereed all. The only, I was the only referee there. Helped put the ring up, take the ring down, paid my dues, and I got two hot dogs. And so then I said, well, well, can I get a Coke? And he said, yeah, that would be 50 cents. <laughs> so I would have lost 50 cents yeah. in my pay that night by buying a Coke. <laughs> and on the principle of things, I said, hell with that. I don't, I'll, I'll find something else. I, don't, I, don't I had a friend of mine that sent you some stuff and asked for some advice. And I'll never forget this as a fan. You said to him, make sure every near fall counts. Yeah. And I will never forget that now when I watch matches. You'll interrupt whatever you're saying to go, oh, in a near fall. Oh, we yeah. almost got him there. Oh, well, you don't know that's going to be the it. Right. And I love that. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of guys, that's the, that's the story we talked earlier about announcers doing backstory. Yeah. While action's ongoing. Yeah. That Joe Buck uh, uh, illustration earlier. Yeah. You, you just, you hear it all the time. All the time. Backstory. And in, in a WCW, a WWE's case, it's not working. It's great that I understand that they've got all this money and it's great. I'm happy for them. The better WWE does, the trickle down theory will, will make it mean better results for all of us. Yeah. 
and and uh, when Andre and Hogan fought in WrestleMania three, the Mid South business picked up because the awareness of the product became paramount. Every local network affiliate wanted to do a wrestling story, especially the NBC affiliates, because NBC was so gangbusters on promoting Saturday Night's main event and wrestling in general and WWE wrestling. So we just tagged along, and it, it worked. We we did we had one of our better years because of the success WWE was having. It's a trend. That's all it is. Yeah. So wrestling was trending thanks to WWE's uh, promotional machine and what they have booked with Andre and Hogan, the fact they're going to run a huge stadium at WrestleMania three, all these firsts, and it, it, it became a, 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 a topic of discussion. And so we, we took advantage of that. So all of a sudden now we got all of our guys on all of our local TVs in the Mid-South mid doing uh, interviews and showing their personality and, so all of a sudden, then I started getting more personal appearances for them, and all these things just started coming about. And our business picked up. Then you would have radio stations contact us and say, "Hey, we'd like to do a promotion with you for this for the live event." Well, of course. Yeah. So it, it, it helped us. So the better WWE does, not they do great, not they have record years, the better all the rest of us that are yeah. in the wrestling business will do. It's important that that I, as a in my role. The, what WWE does or does not do, what they say or they don't say, is irrelevant to me. In the standpoint that I'm not going to mention it on the air anyway. I don't, I'm not going to mention WWE on the air in a negative way, a positive way, no way. No reason to. Yeah. So, uh, and I, just think, I don't think we should engage in that stuff. You know, there's, I'll, I'll, every now and then you'll get a little, bit, little banner, a little hand grenade here and there. Guys just can't resist themselves. Sure. But it's just... It's a, it's, a, it's a wasted effort. I, we need to focus, we in AWE, need to focus on what AWE is doing. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. That should be our entire focus to make this brand great as we can. Some of these young kids are going to be there, uh, you know, uh, Chris, and they're going to be good. But we don't know how good they're going to be. And they don't know how good they're going to be. And matches like our, our show in Jacksonville, uh, the one in, in Daytona, are important measuring sticks to see what some of these guys have got. Yeah. And now we're starting to see our heel and babyface roster starting to slowly evolve. And once we get the, the right jersey on everybody, it'll be a lot easier to watch. Yeah. Because you know who to who you want to cheer or don't, do yeah. or don't. And everybody have a, has a role. you got to have a role. It's like my, my broadcast team with Excalibur and Alex Marvez. You know, Alex is the Jay Glazier kind of guy, giving you information back the backstory of uh, things along those lines. And Excalibur is a very uh, brilliant wrestling mind. He does a great job. I really enjoy it. sounds great, too. Oh, yeah, he sounds terrific. So uh, he's our wrestling expert because he was a former wrestler. Sure. So we, we, he'll be talking strategy and holes and, well, this works and things of that nature. Uh, and then I'm going to do what I do. So it's if we can all find our role and stay in our lane, yeah. uh, so to speak, uh, we'll be, we're going to get better. We will, our goal is to be point, point on in Chicago, uh, at August 31st, and then take that momentum right into October when we premiere on TNT. Yeah. And that's a difference maker. Yeah. That's the deal where nobody's really talking about it. They talk about census things like you're going to take, you're going to put WWE out of business <laughs> stuff. It's so, so stupid. I'm embarrassed when people say that. I've been interviewed by guys said, you know, what, how much of a, 
how much of a dent you think you put their bid? It's not a damn bit. Yeah. Are you kidding? You think the XFL team in Dallas, coached by my friend Bob Stutes, is going to put a dent in, in the NFL? <laughs> not one bit. But he doesn't have to. That's yeah. not his job. Yeah. His job is to make his his team competitive and entertaining yep. and sell tickets yep. and TV, get TV ratings. So it's not a hard formula. Well, once again, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have Appreciate a hard out. Um, thank you for this. Yep, sure. uh, on behalf of wrestling fans everywhere, <laughs> thank you for the memories over the years. You're, yeah. the, you're the soundtrack to my childhood. And now you're the soundtrack to whatever age I am now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, appreciate it. Thanks for being a, thanks for being a good listener today. I, I had too much coffee, I think, this morning. Oh my God, this was incredible. So we got a lot of information. We could it. honestly talk all day, but uh, you know, you've got a job to do. I, I, I'm going to be talking all day. So yeah, you're <laughs> right. I'm going to. It's a, it's a good. It's going to be a good night. It's a really unique venue. This, uh, as the fans will see. Yeah. Uh, doing it from an amphitheater. Yeah. Very, and, and I know they worked all night getting the, that site ready, because there were, were four. When I last talked over there, I did a production meeting Friday night. We were four hours behind schedule, because it's just gonna—it's had to be revamped to 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 do the ring and and. Well, because there's uh, a stage here, yeah, which and, is different. Yeah, and and some people thought we're gonna put the ring on the stage, and they're not. That's where the announcers are gonna be. Okay. Uh, the ring's gonna be in that pit down there. Okay, cool. So we'll see. It's, it's, yeah. It should look really cool. Also, yesterday, in the in the line of you know ticket sales. I think we have less than 200 tickets available. Wow. And a lot of them are sprinkled here, there, and gone, kind of a, a, a smattering. So the ticket sales are good. It'll look great. And, of course, the show in, in uh, Chicago is already sold out. So, yeah. you know, we're looking good. And they'll soon be announcing uh, their the TVs are booked for uh, uh, pretty much the rest of 2019. Wow. So those venues will be released. And it becomes a strategic thing, you know. It's like... Uh, isn't it ironic that WWE decided to put their Evolve show on their network live against us? Coincidental? I don't. You know, of course we, not. We know it's not coincidental, no. folks. Yeah. So you say, well, why would they do that? Because they're the big dog in the yard, and they can't. And that's a bully mentality. You take liberties, and so, and fans just have to decide which one they want to watch. And thank God, through all the ways of replays and streaming, this and that. You can you can watch both of them. Yep. On the same night. That's true. So uh, I don't know what they expected, to, how they were going to hurt us with that deal, but they obviously didn't do it because of, oh, we had nothing to do with AEW. Come on. <laughs> That's where you get offended when you know you're being zoomed. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. So what are you afraid of our little operation? <laughs> oh, we're not. It's a pissant company, I believe. You know, yeah. I heard the pissant. Yeah. 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 Well, that pissant money sure good. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to end it, Jim. Thank you again. Okay, buddy. I really appreciate it. All right, Chris. Well, there you have it, my friends. What a chat with good old JR, Jim Ross. A uh, big thank you to him for almost 50 minutes there of just knowledge and insight and uh, awesomeness. So thank you to him for that. Thank you to his podcast co-host, Conrad Thompson, for coordinating this and making this happen. Grilling JR is the name of their podcast. Uh, you can check that out. You can check that out wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and I appreciate you listening to this podcast as well. I, I love that JR is not only the voice of AEW and the voice of our childhood, but also a senior advisor 
for AEW, pulling some strings behind the scenes and really affecting what it is that we see on these pay-per-views and what we will be seeing on television when TNT starts up this fall with AEW television. A big thank you to Green Roads for sponsoring the show. Use my code CHRIS15 at greenroadsworld.com to get 15% off your order of CBD products. Also, thank you to Samson Technologies for making us sound as good as we do. And I mean, that's when in the podcasting world, it's really just all about sound. You don't know what I look like right now. Although I could look great. I could. I, maybe I do. Maybe I'm not wearing anything at all. I don't know. But if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see what Jim Ross and I are wearing. Is he wearing his famous hat in this interview? Hmm. Does it sound like he's wearing the hat? Just watch the video. You'll see. Of course he's wearing the hat. It's Jim Ross. Uh, we're doing a bunch of interviews. I'm in Jacksonville right now as I sit here. Uh, and once again, you can't see this because it's just a podcast, but I'm sitting here in my hotel room here in downtown Jacksonville. Uh, we just did an interview today with Kip Sabian, also did an interview with Darby Allen. Of course, this interview with Jim Ross, and we're doing many more at uh, Fight for the Fallen tonight, so keep an eye out for those. Thank you so much for making this all possible. Uh, I'm absolutely loving doing these podcasts. Of course, I'm loving doing the YouTube channel. So the more you listen, the more you watch, the more we can do this. So to you, I say thank you.